0: Hi, everyone. It's your
1: daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 6th of September 2021. Uh, Later, we'll take a look at the impact of the Delta variant outbreak on the share market and on central bank policy. But first, to modern slavery. I know it's not something you necessarily hear about in the corporate world, but there are more than 40 million victims of modern slavery globally, anything from trafficking to forced labour. And now for the first time, Australia's top 100 companies have been required to report on that risk in their supply chains. So researchers at Monash University have analysed the disclosure quality of those risk reports and found Woolworths Fortescue Medals and Bunning's owner West Farmers as the best at identifying modern slavery risks. Those with the weakest scores include IDP Education, CleanAway, and Nine Entertainment, for example. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean those organisations are doing something wrong, rather, They haven't given enough information to understand whether there are good systems in place to identify and deal with risks. And Australia's Modern Slavery Act requires large companies with an annual consolidated revenue of more than $100 million to report on the risks of modern slavery in their operations and supply chain. So for more on that, I spoke with Monash University Research Fellow, NARFAM. Nah, this isn't something we often hear about. What is Corporate Australia's role in addressing modern slavery?
2: Well, thanks for the opportunity today, um, Ricardo. I totally agree with you. This isn't something that we often hear about. And even when we do hear about modern slavery, we we are thinking or we might be thinking it's not happening at home here in Australia. um, It's happening somewhere else. Um, But according to the Australian Border Force, um, there have been more than 1,500 victims in Australia of modern slavery. Um, so that, that, you know, that speaks to the truth. What is important for the uh, the role of Australian companies in, in this is to ensure that modern slavery is not present within their operations and supply chain by the way that they assess the risk and, um, you know, uh, address the risk And by doing that well, they will also send a very clear message to companies in their supply chains and networks that Australian companies are not supporting modern slavery practices by their ignorance or negligence or inaction. And also the Australian companies uh, can also play a very proactive role in engaging and educating other businesses in their supply chains or in their network to improve the practices in the area.
1: So, how do you go about measuring the way companies are adhering to the Act? What are the companies' responsibilities in terms of um, the way they need to report any risks associated? And then back to you and, and the university, how do you measure that?
2: Yes, so um, we base on the mandatory reporting requirements set by the Act. And this is actually the difference between the Australian Act and the UK Act, even though the UK came out with the Act earlier, but the, they don't have uh, the reporting requirements, whereas the, the Australian Act is quite clear on that. Therefore, we base on these reporting requirements. Um, so basically companies are, or reporting entities are required to describe the operations in the supply chains, describe the risk, see, and describe Describe how to assess and how to address the risk um, of modern slavery, and also the companies has to disclose how they evaluate the the effectiveness of these actions.
1: So, of those with weak disclosure scores, um, does it mean they're doing something wrong?
2: Well, it does not necessarily mean they are doing something wrong. Um, Let me put it this way. Um, If a company's disclosure is weak, it has not provided enough information for us to understand if the company has good systems in place to identify the risk and to deal with the risk. Well, maybe they have. They if they have, they would just need to provide more information in their next round of reporting. And so this is a first year and it's understandable that companies may have a lot of areas for improvement.
1: Okay. So of those doing well, those on the top of your list in terms of scores, what are the themes? How are they How are they disclosing this risk?
2: Yeah, so we, what we can see in comments of those um, good statements, um, the first thing is they have a very clear dis- description of the operations and the supply chains so that the reader can understand the scale and the complexity of the operations and supply chains. And also they have a very clear scoping of the risk. So basically uh, that means they understand the potential sources of the risk, whether it is in a sector they are in or it is in the type of product and services they buy. Is it because of the investments they make or is it because of the entity or the location they work with? Right. So it's a very clear scoping of the risk. And they also have a very clear, clear description of how company identifies and addresses this risk. Um, and also, it's very important that they have a very good a system, systematic way of um, understanding or assessing the effectiveness of their actions. And here, we are looking at you know, who has the responsibility to monitor this what they will monitor, how, and how often will they monitor this. And normally companies will also provide a very good action plan as well as, you know, clear KPIs for this work.
1: Nafam there from Monash University. Uh, the Australian share market today uh, opened week but ended up Pretty much flat. The S and P A S X two hundred seven thousand five hundred and twenty eight. That's a rise of just zero point one percent. It comes ahead of tomorrow's Reserve Bank board meeting. For more on that, I spoke earlier with George Papouras from K two Asset Management. George, all eyes are on the RBA tomorrow. It was going to start tightening the taps on stimulus, but given the spread of the Delta
0: variant of COVID, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, Ricardo. Look, expectations this quarter, given the Delta variant is leading to economic activity being negative for the current quarter. Expectations after the taper or the potential rollback of the bond purchases, which is a stimulus, to be delayed and pushed further out in the year. So uh, I think that's been building momentum and we're anticipating that tomorrow afternoon. Is that a trend, though, that's happening around the world? Yes, without a doubt. The trend around the world is economic, economic activity is slowing in the current quarter. You saw that with payrolls in the US on Friday night in core Europe, UK, or developed markets in particular, and emerging. So the current economic momentum is slowing. Therefore, people are looking for stimulus to be maintained longer, therefore driving stimulus into next year. And what does that mean for markets? What it means for markets is that that V-shaped recovery we've seen for the earnings in aggregate, uh, that means that earnings get to grow next year, this this time next year, as economic activity expands. The pace will be much slower, but that that innovative stimulus, fiscal policy or variations of monetary policy are still required in the global system to help the recovery continue and to remain on track and momentum. How concerned is the market about the Delta
1: variant and the actual impact on the economy?
0: Yeah, it's obviously the the, the softness that you've seen and the change in the US dollar direction in the past couple of weeks is a function of it. The Delta variant, at the end of the day, what we do know are the no knowns, and that is vaccination rates high and the rollout as the developed markets in particular start, um, you know, going back to work in offices and start travelling like in North America and Europe, the rollout will be slower than otherwise would have been. Therefore economic economic activity will be slower otherwise that would have been. That's what it basically means. But the stimulus remains, that means future activity will be supported because of the current slowdown in the current quarter. Today though, to start the week, the
1: market's predominantly
0: weaker, why? Predominantly weaker, um, there's a lot of dividends being paid, Fortescue paid a dividend. The markets are off their lows and they're recovering on that expectation of stimulus for longer. Japan's obviously had a bit of a rally on the change in the Prime Minister that was announced on Friday, but basically a lot of dividends hitting uh, a lot of portfolios and uh, the market is a little bit off. It's off its lows, uh, but it's looking again for the RBA uh, to, uh, to pause that taper and to continue the bond purchasing and that's why it's rallied off the lows during the day and those huge amounts of dividends
1: hitting those portfolios or, or bank accounts depending on the way they're being paid what do you expect to be
0: done with that money yeah good point that's a, it's a wealth effect so generally anyone with a superannuation fund or if you own, own stocks outside of super your bank accounts or your portfolio is receiving a record amount of dividends that income is part of wealth effects that build on your price obviously your, your, the evaluations of home and property and your broader equity portfolio and superannuation portfolio so the wealth effect In aggregate, very uneven recovery uh, remains at uh, cycle highs.
1: George Babur is there from K2 Asset Management.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation.